Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, everyone. This is Rohan. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. Wanted to do something a little bit different for the show today. As I'm sure many of you seen the news, uh, we lost our colleague, our friend, Grant Wall, uh, at the World Cup over the weekend at the age of 48. Um, obviously, it's been a very shocking and, and strange few days for a lot of us who knew Grant. So on today's episode, I, I asked my friend John Wertheim to join the show just to talk to us about Grant Wall, uh, talk about Grant's career a little bit, what he meant to us, what he meant to so many people, both in and out of media. So apologies for no basketball talk on the show today. We'll definitely be back with some basketball stuff later this week. But for today, uh, we really wanted to honor our, our good friend, Grant Wall. All right, joining me now is Sports Illustrated senior writer, John Wertheim. John, I know we, we kind of just touched on this a little bit, but it's been a wild few days. How are you holding up, man? Uh, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's been a wild wild few days. Um, but uh, no, thanks thanks for asking. I mean, it's kind of every every cliche about, about grief uh, yeah. has, has some validity. It really does feel surreal. It's really this um confluence of weird emotion um i mean one of the things that's really helped is uh you know i knew grant was a good mm-hmm. dude you knew he was a good dude you know you you and i and our, our colleagues knew that he was working at a high level but um man this this outpouring has really been extraordinary and that's um I mean, it's, it's nice to see and sort of for, for selfish personal narcissistic reasons it's kind of been comforting to it's kind of really helped me personally. I'm sure it's helped. I know it has, in fact. I, you know, it's helped Celine, his mm-hmm. his wife, as well. It's really been um, it's really been gratifying. That sort of what what we all knew clearly, thousands and thousands of other people uh, knew as well. You know, it's really the first time I think that uh, to see. Like you said, it, on one hand, it's so gratifying to see all the people who've had stories to share. And I want to get into it just because it's like, I want, I want to know how Grant literally had the time. Um, but yeah, you mentioned it's surreal, like seeing 
someone you know get talked about to that degree, like on Twitter, like going through your Twitter feed and seeing people talk about someone you knew, like to that degree, or seeing that he is being like, and rightfully so, obviously, like honored during halftime of a World Cup match, it's kind of like, I still haven't been able to wrap my head around all that stuff, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he was really a, a titan in this sport, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this is not a niche sport either. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, this is this is a prime player. I think there's a real admiration for his for his integrity. I think some of this too is you know the, the soccer that he started covering is not the soccer where it is today when these World Cup games are getting NFL type of numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, obviously this this having happened at the World Cup, at the biggest event. I mean, this is, you know, a, a towering NFL writer who happens to pass away in a Super Bowl. I, I think that's sort of the context of all this, right. the, the suddenness of all of it. But um, no, I mean, the other thing too is, I was telling someone else, is, you know, it's, it's, it's why, you know, Billie Jean King and, and LeBron James are, are sending condolences. <laughs> but yeah. a, lot of, a lot of these other, you know, it's, it's the intern from 2004 who still remembers a small act of kindness. To me, that's, just as just as poignant and says just as much about grant um but uh yeah i mean it's just i i can't my i i was overseas um when this happened mm-hmm. and i woke up and my phone you know grab like we all embarrassingly do first thing we do we grab our phone yeah. and it says grant while grant and i'm like oh grant must have been a crazy game because grant's sure texting me a lot yeah. and then i said oh shit these aren't texts these are these are news alerts right and then it's sort of all you know, kind of came into focus, but um, yeah, I, it's just, it's been a really strange and difficult right. few days, but the fact that Grant's getting his due is says, you know, again, like I, I can't, every time I turn on my phone, there's a CNN and MSNBC mm-hmm. and it's, you know, Chris Stone wrote a beautiful piece in the LA times and someone else wrote a piece. Frank Foyer wrote a piece in the Atlantic. It's really being treated as sort of a, a celebrity passing and I'm great. I'm, I'm thrilled that he's getting yeah. the recognition he uh, deserves. Yeah, I think, you know, Chris Stone, our old boss, kind of mentioned it in his LA Times piece, but yeah, it's just like all over the world, people are talking about Grant, um, and it just shows the impact he had on, on everyone he met. And I, I really wanted to talk to you today, John, because, you know, when I joined at SI um, seven years ago now, like I've only ever known Grant Wall as kind of this larger than life figure, right? Like I, you know, I idolize all the SI writers, you, Grant, Lee Jenkins, you know, when I first started SI, I was like, whoa, like, you know, these people are at the top of their profession. You know, I've only ever known Grant as, you know, the soccer writer in America. And I was just kind of blown away that he even cared who I was, you know, like at any point during my time at SI. And I mean that, Genuinely, you know, I'm sure, you know, a lot of people, I think, like me, feel this way. And I think a lot of people who start in this industry now, it's a lot different. Um, The pathways are a lot different. And, you know, it just feels like I've kind of been playing the role of a writer a lot more than I've actually been one. But it's it's weird. And, And I just think that Grant was like, you know, one of the first guys who... I think really kind of treated me like a teammate and showed me that respect. And it went so far for me. And, but I mean, you've known Grant, you know, when you guys first started SI and I, I'm just, 
I, I just want to know what those days were like. Like when you guys first worked together, first starting at SI, were you were you like, I got to take this guy out. He's going to be my rival. Um, or were you guys able to form a friendship right away? I don't know, right, right away. <laughs> I mean, there, there's some of it is just, I think, who we are. But I think we very much saw ourselves as teammates. We covered different beats. We actually collaborated on a number mm -hmm. of, uh, we did, we did a bunch of work together. Mm -hmm. We lived, you know, we lived near each other. We were roughly the same age. We, I, Chris Stone seemed to think we started the same week, which I don't think is right, but you know, we, we started right around the same time. We shared an office. These were sort of the, the glory days. I, I hate that I've turned into this nostalgic guy <laughs> that talks about the, the when it was days, but, um, no, you know, the one thing about sports illustrated is that, um, it was always the, and I, you know, we were lucky enough to come into this culture. Mm -hmm. It was really collegial and it really was this team environment. And there wasn't a sense that you had to climb over someone. We were all friends and, and Perlman and I mean, it's just Seth Davis and Donald, you could go on and on. Mm -hmm. um, and we were all kind of in our twenties and felt lucky to be there and living in New York and, we were fact checkers, but the idea was to kind of prove yourself. And that was kind of the, the way to start. And you'd eventually hopefully get, get promoted. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, Greg's talent was really apparent early on. Um, but, you know, and he, he sort of had this, this mix of uh, he came from Kansas. He was an Eagle scout in some ways. He was uh, <laughs> sort of a, an off shucks. I mean, I don't, he he didn't he hadn't been to Europe until he went to the to the ninety eight World Cup on assignment, and he had also come from Princeton and traveled in Latin America and you know was was living here in, in Manhattan, um, and we became very close friends very quickly. I think a lot of that was uh, we did some collaboration. You know, we we worked together as well on, mm -hmm. on pieces together, and he he was really sort of dazzlingly talented not not just as a writer but just his, his instincts were really good i mean he's the one that he, he understood that soccer was a huge growth area and there was a real blind spot not just at sports illustrated but in the way the u.s media was covering this ascending sport and there was a real blind spot in the way you know u.s you know whatever the, the, mm -hmm. the men's national team was treated different from the women's national team and the women's world cup was treated i, I think he just he saw a lot of these trends coming. I mean, we did a story together in, um, I don't know, it was 20 years ago now, but it was essentially <laughs> kind of a, it was a me too type story because uh -huh. Grant knew that there were male soccer coaches sleeping with their players and that wasn't cool. And he, he had really, I mean, it, the last thing he ever wanted to have done with his life was sort of be a, uh, to be, to be a fund manager or to be a, uh, you know, some, some kind of portfolio manager, but he really had a great sense of timing. He really saw trends before anyone else did sort of big, mm -hmm. big and small. Um, but uh, no, I mean, we, we sort of came at the, this was the last days of what, what was the, uh, the last days of disc. It was sort of the last days of the golden <laughs> age of magazine. So we were there and it was like, do you want to go? I mean, he and I went to LA together and the editor says, go have a really expensive dinner on us. And we would, go to Zagat. I, mean, I, I can't believe I'm I can't believe I've turned into that guy. Yeah, We're sort yeah, of are, the, the nostalgic <laughs> old man, yep. but uh, <laughs> the back, but you know, I mean, this, it was a different era and uh, uh -huh. this was sort of free, free, uh, free spending. The sports illustrated turned yeah. some huge profit and that yeah. redounded to the, uh, 
to the writers. Anyway, <laughs> enough, enough nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, now there's there's no money left for the rest of us. Um, uh, what did you think of his pivot to soccer? Were you like, this is insane? Because I I know that for me at least, I'm like, you know, I'm writing about the NBA, and you know, in part because I. I love that it's a very popular sport and it feels like it has this big platform. I think Grant has done that for soccer, but it wasn't always there. What were you what did you think when he was like making this hard charge to be, you know, the soccer guy? When when we shared an office, he was like I he wanted that job as soon as he arrived. And I wouldn't say it was grudging, but you know, he he did a lot of college hoops. Um sort of as, as a way to spend the, the fall and the winter before he could go back to doing soccer. If it were up to him, he would have done soccer from the start. Mm. I think that I was, I think I told us this stone, the first story he ever did, he kept pitching. There was this Mia ham at North Carolina. <laughs> who's a really good player. And you know, everybody's like, yeah, whatever, dude. Um, <laughs> and finally they let him write about Mia ham. And I think that was his first sort of main magazine story. Um, and then he went to cover the World Cup and then the Women's World Cup. But I, I think, it, you know, I, I don't, I, he saw it as a, you know, I think in about 2010, he became the full time soccer writer. But I think mm-hmm. if he had had his way, he would have done that from the day he started. Um, how did you see, you know, you mentioned it's 2010, like uh, the, he obviously had the LeBron story. I mean, it's just crazy to think about how many I one of the last times I saw Grant, which is crazy to say, I remember I like remembered that he had he written the Beckham book. Like, remember how big a deal it was right, right. when um, I think he reported that David Beckham like didn't pick up the tab at an L.A. Galaxy team dinner. And yeah, I remember right. that was like here, man. <laughs> I, I was like I was looking at Grant and I was like having that moment of like. I don't know if you're a big GIF guy, but like the GIF of like people, like the math numbers going around their head, like putting together. I was like, I was like, wait a second. Grant wrote a David Beckham book. That was a huge deal in the book. Um, When did you kind of realize that his like his his soccer wins, like his big stories were really resonating, that it was becoming kind of a bigger deal than when, you know, SI wasn't even sending people to World Cups? Well, I mean, the, the fact that he could get uh-huh. that kind of a book with David Beckham, which wasn't, I mean, th- think about this. It, it wasn't an as told to, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh, David Beckham needs a ghostwriter to do this image laundering mm-hmm. book. <laughs> so he sort of had this sweet spot where he had enough access to get a little time with Beckham, but also was writing this independent book. I mean, that that was not glowing necessarily i mean this, this <laughs> yeah. was not sort of uh you know there, there was some real digs there so he sort of was able he had enough cachet and enough sort of status to write a david beckham book without doing it as hagiography or or as stenography mm-hmm. um i mean jack mccallum tells the story of going to the london olympics in 2012 and um Grant, I don't put put out on Twitter, hey, I'm going to so-and-so pub. And all of a sudden, the place got absolutely flooded with soccer fans. And Jack sort of said, wait, is it, does anyone like the NBA? Anybody <laughs> like basketball? We want to talk, talk about LeBron? Um, but uh, no, I, I think it, it, was, it was pretty clear. And you could see this in his social mm-hmm. media profile. You, I mean, I, I would go out with him. I remember we saw, what was the movie about the musician from South Africa? The, the Searching for Sugar Man. And, you know, we're... 
this is we're we're in the lobby going to see this movie together and people are recognizing him um yeah it was it was pretty clear pretty early on that he had a real reputation and profile in this in the sport and you know without tv it's one thing when you're on or around yeah. the horn which is like the last thing he ever wanted to do mm-hmm. i mean he did this as a credible compassionate capable professional mm-hmm. ethical writer um which is a lot different than you know hey hey i saw you on a countdown show mm-hmm. it is he had like serious fans and i know that people i think are obviously seeing that now but i went to you know he wrote another book in the last couple of years, master of modern soccer. And I, he did like a reading at a bar in Brooklyn and he's got fans. Like they have inside jokes. Like people are asking about things that happened years ago. And I, I don't know that we like, we really have writers like that anymore. You know what I mean? Like I, I, um, people really, really dedicated to, you know, I've heard stories about, Oh, we were at the World Cup in South Africa and Grant wanted to have a barbecue. And it's like you get people from all different walks of life um, showing up like, you know, he'll he has stories about like Hon- like the Honduran president, like the time he had lunch at his house or um, I, I guess I knew that he knew so many people, but it's really kind of blown me away just how many different people seem to have a Grant Wall story. Stone made a really good comparison to Anthony Bourdain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The difference is Grant, you know, and, and I think, um, I mean, he was more than a writer. Mm-hmm. He was a podcaster. He do short videos. Some of those documentaries about the, the super clubs that he mm-hmm. did with, with people you and I used to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that Grant had this level of respect and, you know, I, I use this in the most flattering way, celebrity um, mm-hmm. without the look at meism of TV is really extraordinary. Um, Grant was also really popular for throwing dinner parties. And when he invited me to one, I got, it was like the most adult thing I had done in my <laughs> life at that time. I was terrified. Um, I was like, what do I wear? I, oh, you know, dude, dude, I was, dude, I was like, my bosses are going to be, this is so strange. Um, I was like, oh, God, I don't know. I was 25, maybe, 26. I'm telling you, this was at this point in my life, easily the most adult thing I'd done in my entire life. And I I knew it was adult because I was like, Grant, can I bring a bottle of wine? And he requested, like, a specific color. And I was like, you don't do that unless this is, like, unless this is an incredibly classy meal. Um, did you think Grant was a good cook? This is a safe space. Oh, man. Um <laughs> Dependent on the night, there was there was some there was some. Uh, I can't remember the last time scalloped. Um, yeah, there there were some. some uh, let's let's uh, let's high road this. Yes, yeah. He took uh, no, big I swings. Think, he know, took big swings. You know, honestly, I think um, whatever the opposite of a social climber is. I mean, you and I have both worked with people, I'm sure. And I, you know, it's a, I think to its credit, Sports Illustrated, the, the culture doesn't work this way. But you and mm-hmm. I have worked in offices where people, you know, you kiss the boss's ass and you're always right. sort of thinking about how to get ahead and finding angles. And um, whatever the opposite of a social climber was, that was great. I mean, it, it thrilled him to be able to be a mentor and to help people and to have people like you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was at some of those, too. And the, the yeah. other, you know, I'd, I'd go with my wife and the other couple there would be half our age. and. Yeah. I, I just started six weeks ago in the video department. That was great. And I think some of it was 
sort of noblesse oblige. I mean, some of it was mm-hmm. just being a good dude, but I think some of it was, he just thought that was more interesting. I don't want to yeah. sit there and have to kiss ass with a bunch of time Warner yeah, yeah. mucky mucks. I'd, I'd rather hang out with like the 25 year olds and learn about gifts <laughs> or gifs. Yeah, <laughs> no, I agree. It, and just knowing how many different people he like extended that invite to or from, like you said, like, uh, you know, I know that he, you mentioned, you know, the last couple of years at SI, he was doing like a TV show. He had all the video producers over and um, he was just such a great teammate to every single person that he worked with. Um, how long was he rocking the leather jacket? Because as, as long as I've known Grant, oh, he was fine. rocking the yeah, leather the jacket. Yeah, the black one. Yeah. Only like, black, though. <laughs> It's kind of like his go-to. The, uh, the sartorial sense was was right up there with the cooking. There's some some big, uh, you know, big cuts. Yeah, yeah. cautious. Uh, you know, it was um, some some you know some sometimes risk taking uh, pays off and sometimes it doesn't. But no, the black black leather jacket was uh, it's like Dicky in the black t-shirt. That yeah. um, that was a standard standard look for Grant. Um, I love just yeah, man. He just was. Very old school in that way. He had his uniform too. You know what I mean. Um, I, how have you? For me, it's just like you mentioned. Every day I open up Twitter and I, I feel like I see a different Grant Wall story. And it, it, like I said, it's remarkable. And I, you know, it, it's crazy. Obviously, Grant left SI, and I think that one silver lining that came from that unfortunate circumstance was I. I just told him after, you know, what happened, like how much he meant to me. And, um, you know, I wish I wish it hadn't even taken that for me to tell him, you know, K-Man, like you, how much you meant to my career. And what has it been like for you when you log on and you see all this stuff? Because, you know, it's I, I had a relationship with Grant. I, you know, he meant so much to me. It's not like we were the closest friends at the same time, but to see just the outpouring of different stories, literally from people all over the world, you know, what's it like when you see that every day? Um, I mean, I, I've thought a lot about, I mean, I've thought about it obviously first and foremost in respect to Grant. And again, mm-hmm. it's, it's really, it's really gratifying that what we all knew so many other people knew and that um, this is, this is social media at its best. I also think it's really gratifying that, somebody who you know this this media is in a weird spot and the people who are the the highest paid in our business and this i mean it's 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 a strange space right now the values are changing access is changing you have this whole sort of transactional side and it's really been heartening that someone who did this the right way who wasn't cutting corners and doing hot take bullshit it wasn't uh you know using Twitter as a, as a sole mode of communication. Mm-hmm. I mean, someone who did this with integrity and with reporting and with long form writing, um, that it's, it's really heartening that there's still this level of respect mm-hmm. and pe- people sort of are noticing the quality. Um, if Grant stands for the principle that you can, you can still do this job with integrity. Um, that's, that's great. And the fact that sort of the quality of his work is being recognized in conjunction with what mm-hmm. a good dude he was is something that um, I, I think is really meaningful. I think this is a great insight into a, how much of a nerd I am and b what grant is like, but one of the, 
I was at his house and I was like, I was like, Grant, I just want to know like what motivates you. What is, you know, what is it that you're trying to accomplish every time you write a story or, you know, and like you mentioned, like some people, and I don't think that's right or wrong. Some people be like, I want, you know, I'm working towards getting on TV or I'm working towards this job or, um, you know, and Grant was just like, I just want my name to be associated with quality work. I, when people see my name, I want them to assume that whatever they're getting is quality work. And I was like, damn, that's cool as hell. And to see how huge his Substack was, um, you know, I think that someone had released like a ranking or something and he was in like the top 10 most popular Substacks. The way he built that up, like, I'm just glad that he was accomplishing what he wanted to do. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like he, to all his stories, like seeing again, like I had friends of mine who are not into sports or don't care that I work for sports illustrated asking me about grant and you know, the stories that he was writing at the world cup. Um, it's just, yeah, it's still hard to, yeah, to I think mean, about keep, that kind of stuff, but keep, keep in mind too. I mean, this is, yeah. You know, it's one thing when you have the backing of a, of a big media company mm-hmm. and they're paying for your travel and, they're, yeah. you know, there's someone in the, ex- you're doing your TNA and if you take mm-hmm. out that carny for dinner, you can expense it. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's doing this work essentially on his own dime. Mm-hmm. And he's, I know that when he was, you know, I, I want to be a little, but you know, when he was, he, he left Sports Illustrated in the pandemic, it wasn't you know necessarily under the greatest circumstances, happily. He, he came back and to some extent there was a, a reconciliation there. But, mm-hmm. you know, when he went to Qatar, he he's doing this essentially on his own dime. Yeah. And I know when he signed with Substack, the ability to travel was something that meant a lot to him. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't an editor saying, hey, do this piece on workers' yeah. rights abuses. Do this piece on migrant laborers who are, who are dying and being ill-treated. Those are his instincts. It's a lot easier to sit there and fire off tweets and quote anonymous sources and put out clickbait. Um, when you're your own boss, it really says a lot about you when you're writing 5,000 word pieces on workers' rights abuses, because the economic incentive, the time incentive, again, if, if your number one objective is I want people to associate my name with quality, you write that story. If your number one objective is, you know, likes and social media yeah. approval and, sort of the, the vapid bullshit, then mm-hmm. that's the last thing you're doing. Yeah. You're doing a top 10 list and, you know, we all know how to yeah. game the system. We all right. know how to play the game. Uh, Grant didn't want that. And I think the fact that he was doing this all, I mean, he was there independently is something that sort of bears keeping in mind. It's a lot, a lot easier when you have the cushion of yeah. you know, the sort of lily pad of, uh, of a big media organization behind you. It's also a lot easier to get access. It's a lot easier to get people to talk. You know, I, I still to this day have the benefit of saying, hey, I'm with Sports Illustrated. We can get you a daily cover. We can get you placement in the magazine. We have this massive platform that we're going to leverage on your behalf. Like people did stories with Grant. People talked to Grant because they knew who he was. It was all him. It all came down to right. him. And I think that's a fear every journalist has like um, on some level is is at the end of the day, like how much respect does my own name have? And, and he was proof that, um, you know, he had become synonymous with that integrity, with that respect. What are some of your favorite stories that he's written? Cause I think that, you know, we, we know again, kind of the later era 
Grant Wall Soccer Team, you got to work with him. What what are some of the favorite things he's worked on? Maybe things you guys got to work on together. Oh man, uh, we we did a bunch of stories together, and I think one one story we did something on sort of the globalization of sport. Mm-hmm. I went to China, he went to Africa, and he found a Nike. Re- I got I got to go back and look at this, but there was a guy named who worked for Nike who was helping establish a pipeline of players. His name was Masai Ujiri, and uh, <laughs> wow. He was, I think he was working for Nike at the time. And it was typical Grant. Like he found the guy who would later become, you know, the, the general manager of an NBA title winning team. And in 2004, Grant had figured out this was the guy who was going to create this Africa pipeline. Um, you know, I mean, Grant's soccer stories, you can, you can tick off. I mean, I thought his work on college basketball, I mean, I was mm-hmm. just talking to, you know, you go back and thumb through, Eduardo Nahara, yeah. first Mexican-born player in the NBA. And you're like, oh, shit, there's there's Grant's byline. Um, I mean, the the LeBron piece, if you go back yeah. and reread it, it was really pre- – I mean, I remember – this is sort of a sidebar, but he came back from that LeBron story. And you know what he said? He said that LeBron, he's a nice kid, and I think you know he's really freaking good, and he's already sort of treated like a celebrity. But there's this guy named Worldwide Wes. I want to <laughs> do a story on that guy. He seems to know everyone, and Phil Knight came over, and he goes, Steven Spielberg, and George, everyone knows. Have you ever heard of this guy, William Wesley, Worldwide West? <laughs> that was that was Grant. He'd done a LeBron James story, and that was all well and good. But he mm-hmm. found this other character in the course of the reporting and was intrigued by him. And for years and years and years, he tried to get Worldwide West to sit down with him because in 2002, Grant had – his antennas were up. Yeah. He was always listening and watching. And in the course of writing a story on LeBron James, he ended up coming back and his overwhelming impression was there's this behind the scenes operator named Worldwide West. His story meter was like beeping like crazy. And that was Grant in a nutshell. He, he did story A and in the course of doing it, found story B and was happy to put one down to go pursue the other. Um, I guess ostensibly this is a basketball podcast, so I do want to ask about it because I obviously remember the LeBron cover. That's how I found it about LeBron James. I was like, because it wasn't even like I read the story at first. It was like Sports Illustrated put a high school junior on the cover was kind of like the story, Um, at least like how I was introduced to it. And then I would read it. But at the time where you like, I'm just curious what the, the climate was like around that story, the mood. I mean, I know that we are still striving to do stuff like that all the time. Um, it's just hard to imagine like ever being more right than we were with that one. Do you think, do you remember anything special about it or did it just kind of feel like, Oh, this is just kind of what we do here. We're doing it again. No, I, I remember there was, there was some internal, there, there'd been this sort of, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to blank. You're, you're like Richie Parker. No, no, not Richie Parker. Uh, who is Felipe Lopez. Remember mm-hmm. Felipe Lopez and Tony Mandarin? There's sort of been this this history of anointing the great savior, mm-hmm. and then you end up a few years later rolling your eyes and saying, you know, <laughs> what, whatever happened to Felipe Lopez? Right. Um, and it was sort of this: let's see what the story is. Let's not overhype it. On the other hand, if sixty percent, this guy's sixty percent is as good as advertised. He's still an unbelievable player. So I, I think Grant went in eyes wide open. I think Grant didn't want – I think Grant, of all people, would be skeptical of doing a story of sort of anointing the next big thing and then five mm-hmm. years later having it turn into a punchline. Um, 
And I think that's one reason why, if you go back and reread that story, it's a lot about the culture. It's a lot of, I mean, Akron is a story in mm-hmm. that. I mean, Akron is a character in that story. And I think at some level that was Grant sort of taking some precautions and putting up some guardrails against just blindly anointing this kid as the next great player. Cause Lord knows that it wasn't just sports illustrated. I mean, this is, this is the game we're in, right? You, mm-hmm. everyone's trying to discover the next big boy band and everyone's kind of playing the futures market. And sometimes it's Venus and Serena Williams. And sometimes it's Tiger Woods hitting golf balls. And other times there are these prodigies that never pan mm-hmm. out. I think, uh, I think Grant of all people wasn't, going to blindly go into that story and say, here's the next Michael Jordan. I think he was open. And I, I don't think he had specific marching orders, but I think it, it's entirely possible. Grant could have seen him play and could have spoken to him and said, you know what? Like, not a, this is OJ Mayo. This isn't, mm-hmm. uh, this isn't right. LeBron James. Um, so I think in, in, a, in a weird way, Grant was perfect to do that story. Cause I think he went in with sort of a discerning, I think a, a fair amount of skepticism. It wasn't just, blindly gunning for a cover story to pronounce this guy the next big thing Mm -hmm. how do you think maybe this never applies to you or applied to you but you know i i definitely think that there is i don't know i feel like for me at least there are certain writers that are either ones that i look up to or ones that i am kind of in the same cohort with that i'm keeping an eye on and i think that there's a healthy like push you get um, you know, working around or with other talented people, right? Um, wh- how do you think starting around the same time as Grant, you know, working with him, how do, what kind of influence did that have on you? How did it, how did that impact your own career? Um, man, I, I, I really, uh, no, <laughs> I, I think, I think it was one of the, I mean, again, it's sort of every cliche about mm-hmm. clustering effect. And I yeah. mean, it, it was like we were at the same gym, but we were different weight classes. Mm. So first of all, we were just buddy, you know, uh-huh. whatever. we'd have dinner together or why we'd go to each other's, you know, he's at my wedding. Um, there was no competition in part because we covered different sports. I think also mm-hmm. in part because we were different kinds of writers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it, there was a really, Sports Illustrated just had the really you kept saying he's a he's a good teammate and i think mm-hmm. that was the culture at the time you weren't necessarily looking over your shoulder there were a lot of pages in the magazine so he could have a story and i could mm-hmm. have a story too we weren't in competition i really admired the way he went about the job i mean i i, I keep saying this like i admire the the quality of the output but i mm-hmm. also really admire the process the way he had relationships the way he wasn't smarmy the the integrity there was a, a sweetness to him, but there was also if he was pissed off, not just, I mean, you know, it, it could be at an editor just as easily yeah. at a, as it could be at FIFA. Um, there was sort of this, this low threshold for, for moral outrage. Yeah. I mean, you know, you saw that in the last week of the work he had done. Um, so it was, it was admiration. It was, it was also really good, honestly, to have someone, um, we, you know, we were always promoted together. We were sort of bracketed together by the editor. So it was nice to have someone kind of go, um, it was sort of me, me, Grant and Jeff Perlman were always kind of bracketed together. Mm-hmm. And it was, and again, we, we cover different sports. We have different styles. We're all friends. And it was really nice to have like teammates to come up with and experience the stuff together. And, you know, we would be the junior partners walking into the partners meeting with Rick Riley and, you know, Bill Knack and Gary Smith. And we would kind of look at each other like, holy shit. I mean, 
it, it was sort of nice to have someone come up to the ranks with you like that. And there was really, I mean, you sort of look back on it. It was pretty remarkable how not competitive it was. And some of that I think was just the fact that there were plenty of stories to go around. Um, and no, I mean, Grant from a, from a very, we're both from the Midwest. We're roughly the same age. We have a lot of mm-hmm. experiences in common. You know, he lived a few blocks from me. Um, we were sort of, and, we, and again, we did all these stories where we worked together. Um, you know, we got to become good friends in a short amount of time. What was it like working on stories with them? Because I think that's another, like, uh, we still do it. It's a little bit of a lost art. Like you mentioned, I mean, our magazines changed a lot. There's not as many pages. There's not many stories. And, you know, there are a lot of reasons for it. Obviously, we still do, you know, our, I think our NFL team does a great job working together on big stories. But, you know, you mentioned you had, you know, the globalist story, and he's in Africa, you're in China. What was it like working on stories with him? What Can you tell me? under the curtain a little bit, the process of co-bylining a story with Grant. Um, uh, you know, I remember hearing great stories from Lee Jenkins about what it was like working with Pablo Torre back in the day. What was it like for you um, working with Grant? How would you guys go about actually writing a story together? Um, I mean, honestly, I, I, I'm trying to think. We, we did the sort of the where's daddy story. We were both, you know, <laughs> yeah. like our first year on the job, and that was kind of our big um, – that was sort of when we were trying to get from fact checker to uh, the next yeah. level where we yeah. didn't have to do fact checking. Uh, but we, you know, we did a story on bullying. We did kind of this early days, sexual abuse and power dynamics in sports. We did that globalization story. Mm-hmm. And I think honestly, we, uh, I mean, I think we would just kind of sit and one person would type and the other would dictate and then switch. I mean, I don't think either of us were, particularly precious about the writing. They were very reporting driven stories. Mm-hmm. These weren't the kind of stories where you talk about the, the tangerine sunset that feeds <laughs> into the disc. So, so I think a lot of it was just, you, you talk to this dude, you write this paragraph. I talk to the kid's dad. I'll write this paragraph. Um, I mean, I remember him coming to my apartment with his laptop I and mean, this was, Ugh, I, I can't tell you how much I hate being the like back in the day guy. There, there was no internet. So, yeah, you know, yeah. we, it's not like we had a Google Doc. So, That's so funny. No Google really, Doc. I know, but I'm, I'm trying to ward off becoming that guy that does the back in the day story. Dude, but, I've, uh, I've never existed in a world of writing with no Google but, Doc. That's wild. Rub it in, man. Um, so, go. Grant would bring his laptop and he had better typing skills. So, he would. You know, I'd sit, we'd sit side by side. Um, but I, I really, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the back in my day okay, guy. Fair enough. If they were going to make a Grant Wall movie, who do you, or like they're making a FIFA movie and Grant, like who should play Grant Wall in the Grant Wall movie? Oh, man. Uh, who, would, who, do you, who would Grant want to play him? I really, ironically, you know, I think, I, I ironically, I think. Sudeikis is from his town. Oh, that's right. They're both from Kansas. Hard to right? fact, fact check me on that one. Um, I think he and Sudeikis are from, if not the same town, the same like very similar county. region. Yeah, exactly. Of, yeah, exactly. And obviously, there's there's soccer pedigree there. I don't hate that. I don't one. know. You I you were way more prepared to answer that question than I ever thought you could have been. That's what makes you all so special there, John. Oh, you had stop. that one. You were ready to go with that one. Um, yeah, I know we've just been – I I feel like I've mostly been rambling here. You've been telling us great stories. It just is – yeah, it's 
you know, obviously we all want, we have to accept what has happened, but it, it's crazy to think that like, we're, we're just going to have to move on from this in some ways at some point. And I, I just, I didn't want kind of the, I want people to still be talking about Grant, um, for a little while. And I, I hope that that continues to happen. And yeah, I just can't stress enough. Like the, the fact that he was able to kind of carve out the salt, small slice for me at a, you know, at a time at SI where I just was like, you know, just another guy on the roster and to see how many people he has done that for, it is remarkable. I, I'm just, I'm really blown away by just how much time he had, the like the amount of time he put into every single one of his relationships in his life. And I, again, you mentioned like cliches, but I'm just like, how do we, you know, how do we bottle that moving forward? Like to me, that is, that is like, there's no greater tribute I could give, give to Grant than to try to do what he has done. And obviously like, I don't know that I'll able to do it on the scale that he did, but the fact that he just made time for every single person at SI, not at SI, whatever the case may be, I think is just, uh, it really is remarkable. I'm, I'm struck by the phrase you just used, just, just another guy on the roster. <laughs> um, because you, you say it disparaging, you know, you, you, you sort of say belittlingly, I think to Grant, another guy on the roster is someone really significant. We're all part of this team. And if I can help someone, that's a lot better use of my time than trying to kiss some boss's ass yeah. and trying to move up the chain. And I think if we're talking about, you know, again, it's very easy to uh, devolve into cliche, but if we're talking about legacy and, and carrying on a tradition, this, this idea of uh, sort of ennobling other people on the roster and thinking them as, as teammates and thinking this as a, a team and not a ladder is um, a, a way to honor Grant. I mean, just, just hear you having said that phrase, I think really kind of, um, trigger that for sure um well john thank you so much for taking the time i know like i said it's just been it's been so strange and i i don't know that it's fully hit me yet and it's all been so shocking and um yeah i just like i said i just don't i hope people don't stop talking about grant um anytime soon and it's just been so great to see um all the people talking about him it's great to see what you wrote uh, your tribute to him at SI.com that I encourage people to read. That was beautifully done, John. Um, yeah, thank you to everyone for listening, John. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to hang out with me today, man. I really appreciate it. You got it. Next time we'll uh, talk about the Indiana Pacers or something. <laughs> there we go. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.